So entering, entering retreat, entering the field. The overall sense that which everybody fits within. Precept field, for example. Aspiration field. Punyaketang, skillful field, field of skills, virtues. Mm. Why do we say field? Because it's not like an individual, uh, it's about us as individuals entering into, we participate in it, we put our, our qualities into it, everybody else puts their qualities into it, there's a merging, there's a suffusion, as a wholeness, our individualities can relax a little into sensing or in within something. Mm. This is the way the heart works, chitta. I use the word heart for chitta, it's not entirely perfect, but it's probably a little more useful than mind that which is affected, that which responds, that which is sensitive, receives, is affected, touched, and responds, that experience. So, we're affected by the field. That's what we want to tune into. There's also the karmic field, which we more or less automatically tune into, which is more the individual processes of our memories, reflexes, actions, results, social conditioning, and so forth, karmic field, that happens automatically. That's what you're in automatically. And those those field effects keep being played out in each scenario we enter into. Similar sort of processes of being affected, being reactive, sensing oneself as inadequate, better, needy, obliged, have to, can't, uh, whatever. These kinds of things. Karmic, karmic perceptions, karmic blueprints, Mm. the world, the territory. And our aim is to cross that territory, to purify that territory, to understand that territory, to release one's chitta from that territory, the ending of the world. And this can be experienced without the ending of the chitta. <laughs> First, it seems we're so involved with all that, all that personal and subpersonal qualities that we barely really are able to name that configure us. My dispositions, my trigger points, my 
urgencies, my whatever, that we, we really assume this is the reality of what we are. And if that all ceases, who's left? Nothing, you know. Uh, but the sign of sign of the teacher and the teaching is there is something beyond that. Mm. It's difficult to perceive. It's difficult to put really put words around. But start working with what you know, and you will. If you work with what you know, with a mind of faith, some confidence, some aspiration, you will know. You'll begin to realize for yourself. Chitta void of grasping, chitta void of being grasped, chitta empty of being held by things, chitta empty of holding on to anything. So it's a holistic experience. Something that both holds and feels held, grips and feels gripped. It goes on. Similarly, something that can release and feel released. So it's chitta works holistically. It's not a person. It's not an object within a world of objects. It's the total subjectivity of experience, which is reality. Objectivity is a kind of translation of reality into knowable forms, and with a knower who knows it. That's a divided reality. So... We start really with, with touching into heart tones to awaken, to even access that which can be awakened and realized, jitta. We have to tune into heart tones. And so the Buddha, the epithets, kalyana. The Dhamma is kalyana in the beginning, kalyana in the middle, kalyana in the end. You could say kalyana in its initiation. It's initiated by Kalyana. It's processed and proceeded through Kalyana. It terminates in Kalyana. Kalyana. Well, you've heard the ways Kalyana Mitta. Kalyana translated as lovely, beautiful, heartful, uplifting, admirable, inspiring. You name it, you know. What would you seek in a Kalyana Mitta? What would you seek in a spiritual friend? You'd probably seek their openness, you know, they're not just giving you a line, their authenticity, open, authentic, kindly disposed, truthful, kindly disposed, truthful, uh, and living it out themselves, authentic. This is a mark of the Dhamma Pachadang, authentic personally, intimately realized. So we start to, you know, sense what is this most immediate, any pragmatic, immediately discernible qualities that touch the kalyana, that which is beautiful in the beginning. And here the Buddha again made it quite clear to uh, those who are starting kalyana dana, generosities, kalyana, uh, this is both one gives, one feels given to. One is in a field of giving. One is given to, because one is given to, one gives. 
then the circle can start to move. I receive the gift. Because I receive the gift, I'm filled my heart and wishes to offer back. That's the process. That's called heart. (laughs) It doesn't calculate or feel obliged. It just does it. And so the encouragement is to tune in to, first of all, the given, that which is given. We're given life, sentiency. If we came from the planet, from the moon, dead, we would regard sentiency as a an unspeakably marvellous miracle that we can sensitise, respond, grow, uh, sense, be conscious, process things. We're given that. We're given it. We're given air. We're given water. We're given earth. We're given sunlight. We're given an atmosphere we can breathe in. This very body is a result of such gifts that no human being could ever contrive or create. The massive quality of that giving is staggering, and it's staggering that we can so crudely ignore it and abuse it. But this is true. Just as this is this capacity for the Kalyana, the capacity for ignorance is profound. Ignorance not touching into, not being connected, not sensing, not getting it, disconnected, yeah, isolation, myself, me and mine, everything else is just so what? This is the epitome and the apex of ignorance. And you're in touch, you realise having been given to, and then you begin to sense that even in your own body. You have space around you. If you weren't space around you, you'd be squashed flat. You have gravity holding you up. You have an earth beneath you. If it weren't for that, you'd be completely lost, disoriented. Very humble, simple things. And he says, that's what's given. Can we just get to that, linked with that? The actuality of it and the sense you don't have to make any effort at all. (laughs) You don't have to be any good at all completely bypasses the whole personal judgment system. Just here it is. You know? Breath is given to you. Breathing in and out is given. And of course, many other things are given. The gift of um, companionship. The gift of um, Dhamma. The gift of hospitality. A gift of precepts. Uh, when we're given, live in a field of precepts, we're given fearlessness. No one will harm me, no one will abuse me, people will treat me with respect fairly. The anxiety, the nervousness, the closing down, the ignorance is then can get some hint, some suggestion to deeply dissolve. Mm. And this can be felt in an embodied way. In fact, until these qualities are felt in an embodied way, they haven't really landed. Mm. So these are not just theories, notions, map of the cosmos. These are realized directly in the embodied presence as 
definite felt experiences. One feels, ah, settled. Yes, one feels, ah, open, can be open. Yes, and you can sense it. Till that's there, one is trying to find a place to feel settled, trying to open up or not wishing to open up or somewhat or it hasn't really landed yet. We like the ideas, the reality of it takes a little bit of work. Therefore, one makes an effort to establish properties of right view. There is the good, the beautiful, the trustworthy, the loving. You're part of that. Can you make an effort? It takes an effort to abandon wrong view, to put aside ignorance. This thing that envelops us and tune into, there is the given, the offered, the shared, the safe. The beautiful. Tune into that, which you can do heartfully through chitta. You linger upon it. One makes an effort with mindfulness to rest upon, to dwell upon that which is beautiful, inspiring, uplifting, and it grows. This is the nature of chitta. You don't have to make it do anything, it does it. Of course, the unfortunate afflicted jitta tends to rest upon its wounds and dents and linger upon those, and these become great. The places where we got left out, or whatever, whatever, whatever. So, the sense is yes, yes, but you can't change that unless you have the resources to do so, and the resources are accessing, ripening, strengthening the citta. So it's got a foundation in that which is kalyana. Dana, sila, virtue, respect, you could say. Everything has its place. Whether you like it or not, you know, it's a crocodile or a spider, whatever it is, it's there. Just like you are. It's not better or worse. It doesn't, there's no deal. It has as much right to exist as you do. So that sense of your respect, when you respect things, sentient things, you don't mess with them. You don't annihilate them, you know. A sense of give and take, share. And of course, this is um, the other human beings. And whenever we get a sense of that, we do feel we are allowed to be a, how our hearts are is allowed to be here, then some of that sense of the value of sila is felt. So that allowing respect, and this is not for what we do, which is a slightly different thing, but respect for how we are, how the heart is, the dispositions. You may not like it, you may wish it to be different, you may want to wish you had another one, but this is what you have. So you respond to that respectfully. And this is the sense of uh, spaciousness. The spaciousness helps to reduce the reactivity. This is extremely significant. Reactivity isn't something we always have much say over. But even reactivity has to be allowed. 
you know, reaction is the first thing that happens. The immediate reaction is the first thing that happens. The reflexes, the blurt, the retraction, the contraction, the I shouldn't be, that's the first thing that happens. Okay, well, let's just let that one roll through. Stay on topic and see what comes after it. If you start reacting to your reactions, then this is going to make it very congested. So we get those reactions. Things aren't right. Something wrong with me. Something wrong with her. Something wrong with this. Uh, reaction. And, mm-hmm. Feeling disturbed. Disturbance reaction. Patika. Resistance impression. Disturbance. Okay. Fine. That one happens. You can feel the intensifying effect of that. The embodying effect of that. Something you starts to tighten up or get jangly. Okay, spacious quality. Let that move through. And this way we come through the waves. These effects are embodied. They jangle in your nervous system. They tighten in your throat. They compress your your belly. They make your skin feel tight. They tighten you up. Or you spin out. Completely abandon the whole embodied presence and spin out to somewhere else. Very common. Okay, out here. Right, let's find out where's the body and get back in again. Let the reaction pass through. Because unless we're really embodied, we don't actually have a realistic hand-long dana, sila, on anything actually. We work on principles, but not on actualities. Yeah. These are energies, they're not just principles. So dana is that quality of something in us that rises up to bring forth something in us that feels touched in a benevolent way by whatever. You know, when it becomes uh, abstract, then you get things like people give you things you don't actually really... It's a compulsion. It's Christmas time. It's your birthday. So here's one of these. Decent thing to do. Yeah. Uh, he gave me some candy, but actually what I wanted was a hug. Or more likely, he gave me a hug and what I wanted was some candy. <laughs> but you didn't actually ask me or get a sense of, or even, so you get this kind of thing here. One of the, yeah, yeah, you know, that's fine, but actually, what I would like is just if you sit down quietly and ask me how I am. <laughs> that would be a greater gift at this particular time. And so does a specific sense of the energies are they're, they're intelligent. You can sense when you're, your heart sensing with a mind of compassion what actually helps at this particular time. And totally sense it, feel it. Most important gift is the gift of fearlessness, the gift of acceptance the most important, the absolutely most important. Once that's there, the rest of it's just gravy, dressings, you know. (laughs) 
not a reluctant acceptance, like, oh, I have to put up with you. <laughs> but I'm really interested in, in, in sensing how you are. Though I never will really get it, but I'm open to that. You know? That, to me, is a tremendous gift, isn't it? Because what happens to the heart when we're like that? It's really very open, attuned. It's not saying, here's the standard, you should fit into one of these. Or they say, well, I'd like you to be, for your own welfare, I'd like you to be more this, that, and the other. That's, yeah, it's nice, but have you actually got what I am yet? (laughs) Or how I'm sensing it? So, this, you know, where do you feel safe and comfortable and steady and able to be who you are without something in your own psychology telling you you should be this and you're not that? You know, so, if we're getting the message externally from others, we might get the message internally. I should also practice, understand, sensing how it is here, this being, and being open and interested in it, so it's kind of strange forms, as it is, because we're going to contemplate those forms, psychological, emotional forms, right? Yeah, and the sense of this is that if this is carried through, those forms will will work themselves out with a little bit of careful, kindly mindful, benevolent attention. Not just, they will shine under that light. And they will begin to work themselves out, finish their conversations, find their, unknot themselves. This is, so we're handing over uh, the power of governance to Dhamma. And that's beautiful. More than beautiful, it's awesome. This is Dhamma in the middle, trusting. This is the one that takes us, begins to shift the citta from the domain of the karmic field. Karmic field is very much one I sense I am. And it's composed of various degrees of intensities. So wherever there's an intensity in in experience, that's where the sense of self begins to constellate. You know, so you can notice it's yourself, you know, you've you've got moving around, there's there's, there's mine. Mine, that's mine. A little bit of light comes on that one. There's some some shoes, there's there's my shoes. There's my dinner. There's my cushion. Ooh, a little bit of light comes on for that one. Maybe not passionate, but certainly that lighting up. And, and of course it gets more and more intense and some dear, very more intimate experiences, extremely intense sense of how that is. And the net total, if you link up all those little dots, points of intensity, you get the person. <laughs> you get the self. The self is described where all these trigger points, where there's a lot of action, reaction, or even closing down. So something distinctly 
It's not, it's not a level field. Something is, is highly biased. The profile of that bias is called myself. With the things that one gets intense about. And that can be experienced in this body. And in fact, this whole body can become that. You can look at it and think, this is me. and get pretty intense about aspects of it, the ears or the shape or gender and so forth. Me, intense. And other people can get intense about it. Hey, fatso, you know, <laughs> big ears or whatever. So you get this intensification. is not just internal, external. Being judged from the shape, color, size, gender. And that becomes intense. And that becomes these sankharas. The Buddha says either through one's own intentions or through the intentions of others, unskillful formations occur in the field that form. And we've all, I'm sure, been subject to those unskillful or ignorant or just a bit confused, energies directed towards us. And we configured either to go along with it or to resist it. But either way, we're, we're sensitized to those. And that becomes myself. And then, of course, I feel this is me. I've got to work my way out of it. Yeah, you know. But the way you work out of it is to understand intensities, and it's got to be some way of processing intensities that is kalyana, beautiful, sustainable, respectful, loving, allowing, allowing the intensities. Okay, that's that. And what is the healing of that? Healing of that is well, the energies of the psychosomatic domain, breathing energy, heart energy, loving-kindness energy. These are not just phenomena. These are actual energies that have a suffusive effect. They are called suffusions. So you see iterations on meta, it's always a suffusion means it's like steam, it, it saturates. It doesn't just point a particular object. It's not a lofty principle, it's a suffusion of, of heart energy through the, the territory, through one's world, through the field. And qualities of that which is willing to give, that which is sensitive to harming and hurting, that which celebrates the beautiful, that which maintains serene presence in the face of the ups and downs and reactivities. It's a powerful healing energies. And of course, breathing also is not just a sign of air striking a particular part of the body. This is a suffusion, prana, Breath of life, pana, chi, flowing through the body, giving vitality. These two together. 
because the processes of our reactivity, our stumpness, are not just psychological, they're embodied. That's what makes them so exasperating at times, because we know the ideas, we've heard the theories, we told ourselves not to react. We've said this is just an issue, get over it. We've said don't be attached to it, and we still feel ourselves reacting to it. Because reflexes and reactions are not dismissed or healed through the thinking mind or even by good intentions, however noble those intentions are. They have to get right into the nervous system where the reflex energy fires, rises up. Suffusion, which is a spreading over the field. This is possible because of the nature of chitta. Now that mentioned the distinctions between chitta and mano or mano vijnana. Vijnana word translated as consciousness refers to what we might call the external domain. That's where awareness is placed. So one's conscious of visual objects, one's conscious of tactile objects, one's conscious of concepts and ideas. They're objects that we're conscious of. This means an object can arise, be noted, pass through, thought, an idea. This is manovinyana, the mind consciousness. But consciousness also is an internal aspect, which is the very sensitivity. So we come into the internal aspect of manovinyana, we have chitta. Chitta doesn't operate in terms of objects. It operates in terms of movements. One is moved. One flares. One sinks. One vibrates. One senses. One shimmers. One contracts. This is the experience of chitta. Chitta sankara. And these are holistic. As As we experience those, we experience ourselves living in a contracted world. We experience ourselves living within a joyful domain. We experience ourselves as living within a fearful environment. These energies then suffuse the entire known experience, which internally, externally coming together, this mingling of that. That's the nature of it. So pervasive. When you scan even approximately the realms of human beings and you hear different human beings' reality with a sense of respect, you realize, wow, there are so many different worlds here. You know, why is that? <laughs> because of chitta. Because of the karmic field. Because as these sankharas get established, as these movements get established, as these programs and energies get formalized, they, they persist. They become formations. They keep running. They form. They become, have a certain concrete quality to them. So we carry them around and there they are again. Internally, externally, internally, externally. That which is continuing 
right? An intimate, that's me. Right? If it's intense, intimate and continuing, that's me. You see? You're right. That's me, all right. I've got one of those too. <laughs> so what's this non-self stuff <laughs> that we're taught? I mean, just doesn't exist? No. It's just the recognition, perhaps. This, you can be aware of this. You can respond to it. Respectfully, kindly, kalyana. But there can be a response that heart is always a little bit greater than the self. If it were not, there would be no way out. The heart is always just a little bit greater, or a little bit distinct from the self. We can go a little bit beyond ourselves without leaving ourselves. We can extend We can bear things in mind beyond the immediate fascination of attention, mindfulness. We can attend to things that don't really interest me. We can persist with things that don't necessarily feel that agreeable. We can bear with things that are just a little bit uncomfortable. And when we consider these things, these qualities that I've touched into as actually ennobling, fulfilling, rather than compulsive or compulsory, there's there's the way out. I can actually contemplate that which I don't really feel that, you know, interested in and let those qualities pass through and feel a sense of serenity. Things can go wrong, not be the way I like them to be, be a bit of a mess actually. Go through it. I don't feel flustered. I don't feel intense about it all. There's a fruition there. There's a fruition. The result is Kalyana. They come into something somewhat larger, more spacious, less flustered, more grounded than myself. The Dhamma holds me better than I do. Touching into these qualities of Dana, Sila, but also recognize why predominantly do we do human beings lose touch with these because of the pull of the senses which offer immediate short time gratification and take us out or seem to take us out of the field out of the territory of our unevenness our restlessness our hungriness our those intensities that we found difficult, something that takes me out of that, buy one, have one, drink one, eat one, they don't take me out.
And so this then begins, does take you out for a while, but the results are that you lose contact with the intimate and we lose contact with that. We lose contact with the heart. And so this is pretty drastic. And as we can probably recognize and testify when people lose contact with the heart, there's nothing more brutal and dangerous than a human being. Human beings lit up with consumerism, human beings lit up with ideologies, is a pretty fearsome creature. Nothing has been more destructive than the human being. Because that capacity to drop the heart, go to the senses, drop the beautiful and go to just the compulsive self-orientation. So every time we understand this, loosen the grip, return to the, to the heart, we're doing something that is inadequately uh, developed in our world. That's putting it mildly. Every time we return to that sensitivity, kalyana, trust it, work through the territory, expand beyond the territory without leaving it, just that's that. We're doing something that seems in some ways so, you know, what's the point of this? It's actually the most powerful, beautiful thing a human being can do. Because once you cultivate that, you're inviting, you're inviting the heart. There's room here. You're allowed to be here. All the stuff that you're wrapped up in is still allowed to be here. And with its spaciousness begins to develop. And the primary quality of heart, openness, simple word, begins to be a foundation. Now we take the emotional qualities of heart to be their primary quality, actually they're not. Emotions and the intensification is something that accrues. The most fundamental quality of heart is open sensitivity. You might also say sympathetic sensitivity. It tunes in. Emotions happen afterwards. When we consider just why is it like this? What is the natural function of citta? Essentially, it's that which is understanding what's happening to our presence, our bodily presence, where it's being threatened, encouraged, supported, dismissed, you know, physically, psychologically, it's sensing that, it's sensing that, and it's, it's responding to that. And its responses to that are emotions, anxiety, eagerness, uh, trying to make something happen. The responses to 
to the state of being bring up emotions. As you can imagine, in a very early stage of human development, you're alone in the wilderness, in the jungle or something, and then you, something's got a sense pretty immediately, where's the threat, where's the safety, and give you a strong signal. That signal is an emotion. As that system gets established, emotional signaling continues. And when this emotional signaling gets established, they continue when there's actually no trigger externally. They just become habituated. One feels habitually anxious, habitually restless, habitually overreaching, habitually defensive. Because those programs get established as the norm. They are sankharas, programs established, they're not actually innately of citta. They're that which citta gets involved with. Fundamental property of citta is just open, sensitive awareness. And though, you know, this may, this may sound like it's a, you know, far off, but actually that quality is present, potentially present for most of the time. We do get the overwhelmed experience when things just start reacting. But to a large extent, we can be openly, sensitively aware of our reactions, of our programs, our emotional actions, and so forth. Practice is one of maintaining that open, sensitive presence to that. And a little further from that place of open sensitivity, just spreading that awareness through the field. This is not just an awareness in a visual sense. So very often awareness is configured as a seeing quality and we can use that. But uh, you you can't just leave it to that alone because some things need to be felt, touched, massaged, moved through, not just seen. Because seeing is a distancing medium. It's out there. I see it. It's not a feeling medium. And when we're working with movements, particularly emotional movements, seeing them is better than not seeing them, but seeing them is inadequate, has to be seen and actually, you could say, touched. And so, in this sense, the Buddha says, you touch the deathless in your body. So it's like a sense, that which is sensitive, immediately receptive, immediately available, touching, being aware of that moving through the field. And the vehicles for that, if we're looking at very primary reflexes, is going to a good degree of life force or breath force, breath energy is a strong vehicle, a suitable vehicle.
carries. It carries fundamental presence, embodied presence. Yeah? Carries that message of embodied presence. You know, pana, right? Pana, ana, why we panati pata. Refrain from destroying that which has pana in it. Anapanasati, which is, has the same quality, right? This is not just a bit of respiration. This is life force. And as, as an actual felt vitality, right? And, right? So that moving through your body, through your inner body, through those areas of tension or distortion or giddiness or, you know, brokenness, breathing through that, energy through that, that's, that's the integrator because it suffuses everything. But in order to allow it to suffuse everything, we have to open it gently or in- invite it to open, invite that area to open. So that we can breathe through it. Naturally, this is also somewhat emotionally challenging because whenever we open up, you can be sure this will be myself. And that means it will carry emotional intensity to it. That's the nature of self is everything that some total of things that's been some intensification around. So this is why you can't operate without goodwill. And that goodwill is not just being nice, it's actually allowing, supportive, compassionate, not pushing, not saying you have to be better, not saying you have to change, but just that steady, kindly breathing through. This is Kalyana. The beautiful. And it's not a straight road. It's somewhat mysterious. Territories, the witch pits will open up when they're ready. You know, you may want to, and sometimes this urge to release is actually tainted with a desire to get rid of. I wish you could get rid of my nervousness. Well, that ain't going to do it. (laughs) Not that desire to get rid of, is an energy that closes things down. Right? Right? If you want to get rid of something, you push against it, don't you? Even if you write the word meta on it, you still push. <laughs> Whatever the label is, <laughs> the energy is one of go away, don't be here, get over it, forget about this. This is silly, this is stupid, I should have dealt with this years ago. You know, after all, I'm an adult. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All those, no? okay. What do you mean you're an adult? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not as if we don't leave our birth. It stays there at some primary level. It's, it's still an embryo, you know, and you just add more and more layers to it. You don't get over things. You either process them or just compact more stuff on top. The only way to be an adult is to. to to actually deal with the childishness <laughs> in a mature way. You see?
Yeah. And so the one who get left out when he was six years old is still there. <laughs> I had a big brother or something, or <laughs> was a little sister or whatever. You know, still there. Okay. I didn't want to meet her, but she turned up. So it's not only really a straight road, because we may have various strategic uh, aspirations to, you know, develop mindfulness, establish the five indriyas, you know, develop jhana, concentration, insight. That's true. Yeah, that's, true. that's one way of looking at it. That's the map. But this is the territory. You've got to, <laughs> you don't walk on a map. <laughs> you walk on the territory. And that territory begins to make those Dhamma statements realized. This is what it is to be mindful of a grumpy, irritable mood. <laughs> this is what it is to unify, to purify and collect around through this. Yeah. So the map is true, but the territory is what you experience. You know, practice naturally. You know, the nature of, of ignorance is it. It definitely is not just a casual force. It's a powerful force, and it wants to close things down. It wants to push things away. It wants to counterfeit. So we get counterfeit loving kindness is the wi- is the wish to just sedate everything. I put lipstick on it. using the postures of the body for their various uh, uh, potentials sitting is actually one of the most difficult ones because it's so easy to just disappear into the territory by sitting But it does bring breathing to the fore. Because there's nothing else really to do but breathe. If you can do it. Walking moves energy through the body in a slightly different way, but exhibits the same patterns as the you know, the energy that lifts the leg, the rising of that, and then the weight coming down on the leg, and the energy moving through the body through the process of walking. And when you do walking, you've got to also recognize that most of us are programmed by walking down streets. Streets have flat, hard surfaces and they generally have distinct boundaries. And they have a trajectory which is forward. And it's visual. You look at the traffic, you look in the stores, you look at the other people, you're on guard through your eyes. That's street walking. And then get off the street. We're going to do beach walking. Beach walking, the, the theme of it is, I am happy. <laughs> there is no pressure. I am free, I'm open. And so you just start with that motif, get the heart, I am happy. <laughs> There's no pressure. There's nowhere to go. Take your time, you know. 
just be that the walkingness and just set that that program up and see how your body wants to walk. And well, mine is generally that the way I sense walking, body walks. It begins in the pelvic region. There's a swing that lifts one leg, puts it forward. So if you swing to the left, right. Swing to the left, your right leg comes forward. Swing to the left, your right leg comes forward. Swing to the left, your shoulders, left shoulder goes back, your right shoulder comes forward. So you get this kind of flow of the movement of the body, which is more fluid, and energy moving from the shoulders, the feet, the knees, the hips, the whole form gets this regular signaling and regular signaling and bodies signal they signal threat they signal pressure they signal hurry they signal collapse they signal tighten up defend they can also signal ease fluidity no pressure all the time in the world open non-intruded upon non-obstructed that's a very significant signal. That's the signaling you want to create and remember when you do walking. The body will then follow suit. And the more you embody it, the stronger that program is established, the stronger that signaling is authenticated, verified, lived with, lingered in, made much of, and the results are stored in the heart. One has moved through sense world without getting stuck in it, defending oneself from it, distracted by it. You move through the sense world with a presence that's alive and dynamic. So let's take some time for a direct practice. <laughs> 